0: So, this is Mike Hoffman and Joe Mino. Hello. Um, I don't know if we're going to try to revive Brick Nebula, but this could be a a Brick Builder podcast. Maybe eventually we'll turn it into a Brick Journal podcast. Who knows? Okay. Um, For right now, this is just a... Hopefully just a, a quick... Let's sit down and talk, and then let's see where this goes. I know eventually you said something about wanting to interview some... Different builders at some point, and that
1: yeah, but, we got intercepted
0: <laughs> and and at that point, we can actually release those as official brick journal yeah things, and we'll have to get an editor and you know find you some intro and outro music and and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but right now, this is just going to be an informal talk i mean one of, one of a little bit of background, one of the things that I asked Joe today was um name three really innovative projects that you find within the Lego hobby and the the idea here is is that we've been around enough Lego conventions enough now that uh, every once in a while you see some projects that are just that blows you away or just really get you to start thinking and uh, inspire you to to want to do build better or. You know take the idea and maybe improve upon it or so i've asked joe this question he's had time to think on it i've gotten i've gotten distracted today with work so i don't have any ideas but i'll ask joe anyway
1: Uh, put me on the spot won't you oh yeah of course (laughs) yeah
0: so i asked joe what was his three projects and won't you start with number one and let's talk
1: Okay, doke. Well, um, the first project that came to mind and one that I'm actually working on and that's the monorail. Uh, the reason why it's, uh, I think it's so innovative is because whereas the community fully wants the old monorail, the old classic monorail that, uh, Lego produced many years ago, uh, there have been a couple of people who have decided to take that in a completely different direction and make a true monorail, uh, and uh, Power this functions, was like, right? Yeah, power functions based. The first person to actually pursue that was a Japanese guy by the name of uh, Masao Hidaka. And uh, you know, on YouTube, he actually has videos of his monorail, how it's put together and how his tracks put together. So basically, the potential was already out there about a year ago for uh, doing something like this. And, uh, I had wanted to do a monorail for the longest time. Because
0: Uh, because you're a Disney freak.
1: Yeah. And it's, I like trains, but I don't like trains. Go figure that one out. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And, uh, the monorail is basically futuristic enough for me to look at it going, yeah, we can do something with this. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have any idea of the technical know how or the technical know-how to do anything with this. So it sat in the back of my head for about, I mean, about seven years. And then I spotted the YouTube videos, and I actually started looking at what he did. And I promptly built my own monorail. Now, about the same time, Stephen Walker over in, uh, um, gosh, he's over over in uh, Washington State, I think. Okay. Uh, he started building a Disney monorail based on Disneyland's monorail. And he used the same specs, but he basically developed it slightly different. Uh, he did his own design and did a, a different interpretation. However, it's, all of these fit under the, the, the same type of standard of a 2 stud wide track that you can construct. So all of this is going on about the same time. And it came... And I met uh, Steve over at BrickCon with his monorail and my monorail. And we actually exchanged ideas. And um, he had...
0: In 2010?
1: Uh, actually, this year. Okay. This year, uh, in October. And uh, he actually ran both monorails. And, well, I quickly found out what the problem was with mine. Mine was geared incorrectly, so it lasted all about five minutes.
0: But you had one working at Brick Magic this year.
1: Yeah, and that was based on uh, Hidaka's uh, design. And while it was working, as in proof-of-concept work, it actually had serious uh, mechanical issues. Okay. Um, And it turns out that building a monorail, there's some genius behind the Lego monorail uh, in terms of how it actually drives uh, that I may try and incorporate into the monorail I'm working on but um, there, was, it, there was a big learning curve in terms of making the monorail work and it's just it's been interesting seeing all this happen because I've been communicating with uh, Masao, uh, well Hidaka and Stephen Walker off and on so this is basically you know you could say it's almost an international effort to try and get this off the ground
0: So I assume the end goal of this is to have Lego produce something official.
1: Oh, that would be a nice thing. (laughs) That that, would be a nice thing to do. I don't know if it will ever, ever happen. But that's why um, uh, Hidaka posted his ideas onto Lego Kuso, which is the uh, Lego crowdsourcing uh, site, for lack of a better term. Which is your second No, actually, that was part. Those are all the first. Oh, I didn't get that. Okay. (laughs) So this was was all uh, basically a progression. So um, because his idea was good and warranted me looking into it and trying to build it myself, and I was successful to a certain point. And he went on to submit it over to Kuso for that exact idea of having Lego produce it. Um, I think it's a great idea. Mainly because the way it's structured, most of the parts uh, are off the shelf
2: mm.
1: so basically, anybody with power function stuff, remote controls, and um, uh, basic brick could theoretically build a layout so uh, you know for me it'd be a much it's a it's a bigger jump than expected for a monorail set. And that's why, that's why I just sort of sit at, look at it, and it's like the uh, implications and the um, potential for this are just astounding. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, because uh, once I figure out the power problems with the, the monorail, which actually is being used at a display now, uh, once I figure that out, the next step is to create an NXT-based system off of it, which can be done. Uh, the power function's... Is compatible with NXT with a um, with a piece available from High Technic. and through that, theoretically, I can come up with a completely remotely controlled system, hmm. which I think is really cool. And then some, uh, a guy over over at the Lego store here said, "Why not just have it color coded to the monorails you have?" And I just looked at him. It's like, oh, you didn't give me such an obvious answer. <laughs> But, you know, using the color sensor from uh, current NXT, having it keyed to the color band on the monorails, you can have it designate, you know, the monorails go to specific places. And it's like, that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of potential there. So that's why that's my first one.
0: Um, The only thing I can add to that is... um
1: it's clunky, <laughs> right now. It's that it's clunky. It's a clunky thing right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. From the videos I've seen, it it's a little. It's not very smooth.
1: Yeah, uh, and there's really there there are some issues to be met on that. Uh, I basically reskinned the uh, frame that was created by uh, Hidaka. I took out his stuff and replaced it with a with the monorail body that I created. The problem with it is that I added, I think, approximately two hundred (laughs) percent (laughs) weight. So so there's a lot, you know, it's like, yeah, I can get rid of a lot of it, you know, pare it down and come up with something better maybe. But the character I got is I like a lot, and I'm trying to figure out ways to get around that. And part of that is gearing up or gearing down. Yeah. So that's part of the trial and error of the system.
0: Now, I was thinking in the back of my head, there was a German guy who emailed me through BrickBuilder um, about a monorail system that he developed that was power functions. Ooh. As well, and mm-hmm. remind me, and I'll I'll send you. I'll, I'll see if I can find that email somewhere. Okay, but it's it 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 when you talk about it being an international project, it I don't think you know is just limited to um to that side of the coast. I, uh,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, understood. Um, it I you know my comment is based mainly on the fact that these are the places I spotted and/or made themselves known. Yeah. yeah. Uh, You know, for every one person, there's probably at least one other person who's busy somewhere working on the project and not telling anybody. They should. (laughs) Simply put, they should. That's not me. Well, I know. It's not you, but to anybody (laughs) else. No, it's one of those things where it's like, you know somebody else is working on it or somebody else has solved this problem. I'm sure. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing that guy. Or girl tooth. <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry being Lego Lego sexist
0: yes <laughs> so number two
1: number two what was number two um, I, number two is actually uh, it's a consumer product. It's a third-party product. It's it's a phone case for the iPhone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, SmallWorks phone case. Uh, It's innovative because, not necessarily because, well, you end up basically putting a base plate on the back of your iPhone, which actually, in practice, is kind of silly, Um, mainly because if you're building something on the iPhone and the telephone rings, you have a problem. Yeah. Um, That notwithstanding... uh, It's innovative because that one idea of putting a plate or a base plate on an iPhone or any phone, uh, they're adding uh, cases for uh, iPods now, but hopefully they'll be going into other phones. What's really cool is that you can actually make the phone adaptable to certain needs and um, projects. So you can stick it on your car dashboard by basically putting a plate on the dashboard. Um, No, I haven't tried that. Uh, But (laughs) what I have tried is uh, build a camera handle and make the video camera on the uh, iPhone much more steady by using the handle. Um, And another thing that I did this weekend, in fact, which was which really impressed the mess out of me once I realized it could be done, was that um, using uh, a uh, uh, pan-app, panoramic uh, photo app on my iPhone and a turntable attached to a bracket attached to the phone, I was able to do a very, very smooth panoramic photo of our layout. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was basically, I just grabbed some parts uh, that I found laying around, just wondered if it could be done. And lo and behold, I came up with a steady uh, pan head that could be used using just the Lego bricks that that were laying around. So it was very surprising in that respect. And um, it's a very, when you sit down and think about it, it's a very odd thing to mention as uh, innovative. But... Once you start realizing what it can do, it becomes a really interesting um, thing to play around with.
0: And that's where we disagree. Why? <laughs> Only because I think that appeals more to the gadget geekness in you.
1: Well, uh, yeah, to a certain extent it does, but at the same time...
0: Uh, in, in the photography buff and...
1: Yeah. So it becomes all things to all people.
0: Well, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I've seen through Make Magazine stuff like, you know, iPhone chargers that you you build out of brick. or Yeah, but I, I don't I, iPad it. holders for your iPad to no, watch no, movies no. without out of Lego. and.
1: Eh. No, I, I agree with you on that point because that, to me, is not innovation. That's creating an item for it. But having, basically, I think it's the base concept of Making the phone Lego standard is what I call the innovation, such that you can build all this stuff to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and trust me, when I used it as a camera handle, it was phenomenal because you know how you hold the, the iPhone you have, uh, uh, at the cam- as a video camera. You have to hold it on its side, on the edges. You put a handle on it, poof that problem disappears. And all the steady, you know, all the problems with stability of holding it that way just disappear. Yeah. Yeah. And it becomes, it, it changes. And the same thing with the pan head. The pan head was just a simply ridiculously stupid idea on my part that just happened to work. And once I looked at it that way, it's like, so you're telling me that this one frame allows me to do this. So you know that that's how I tend to look at it um I can see your point, yeah, if it was a a separate item, but no, this basically it attaches a base plate it makes a phone or a iPod a Lego item yeah so
0: we'll see i would rather have tubes on the outside instead of studs.
1: I agree, <laughs> <laughs> I fully agree with that nah, that 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 thought too because then all you have to do is just put a plate on your dashboard and bam just stick it on and you're good yeah so
0: or some technic connections would be nice
1: oh that'd be hysterically cool because then you can make it swivel <laughs> see now you're getting into the geek part of me it's like now you can do this and this, and this. no so
0: well I mean maybe that's why it disagrees maybe, maybe there's a it, it could have gone farther
1: mm-hmm but yeah, this it was actually, you know it was a keep it simple type project.
0: Oh, I know. I mean, it, there's been one or two Kickstart projects like that too, very similar. <laughs> and uh, no, I I think it's a neat product, and I think it's a good product. I'm mean, based upon the wear and tear that you put yours through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh yeah. We could we can endorse it.
1: Yeah, and I do. You know, even I have the minor whiny complaints, but overall it's been a delightful thing to have. Yeah.
0: But I'm wondering if version 2 needs to go a little further.
1: Yeah. I don't see why not.
0: Like a, a maybe built-in axle points or built-in technic hole points or
1: yeah, I, I can see that. That would have that would uh, make it thicker in certain points, but I don't see why not. Uh, one of the things I do like about it now is just that it has access to all ports, easy. Yeah, and I, and that makes it a lot better than a lot of the cases out there. Uh, so, but and, yeah. and to
0: add something like that, I don't know. It it would change the ergonomics of it too, and yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: have to put some thought behind it. Anyway.
1: So I want to number three. Yes, I can talk about that one. Number three would be um, the the bricks of character movement, for lack of a better term. Okay. Uh, bricks of character is basically uh, sculptures based on recognizable characters in media, wh- wherever. The first person to actually coin this phrase, I think, was Ian Heath. Uh, Tommy Williamson also is one of the first people behind this. Uh, the reason why I say this is innovative is that they're they actually tackling the idea of changing, well, not necessarily changing, but making Lego a uh, legitimate media for sculpture, which has been tried uh, to varying degrees of success, but uh, they've actually um, made it Popular enough for it to be an ongoing theme in conventions. Uh, I like it a lot because of um, trying to make a straight brick into a curved organic shape is bad enough. Some of the best work, not only incorporate that, but a sense of motion. Um, um, I've always wanted to do something like a Mickey Mouse sculpture. Tommy Williamson has done one with uh, Mickey uh, being a, a Jedi Knight.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: Mark Staffa has done one as uh, Sorcerer Mickey. Both of them have not only interpret Mickey Mouse, but they also interpret the motion with him. So they actually are a little bit more than your typical uh, straight-on build. There's a little bit of thought behind it.
0: Well, let, let's get back to the original proposal there the -hmm. the philosophy behind this movement Mm -hmm. um how is this any different than like nathan sawaya's sculptures or um any of the large sculptures of human beings that are out there
1: uh a lot of the sculptures out there for lack of a better term there are some notable exceptions uh uh David Winkler has done some uh, sculptures that I would deem go beyond a typical let's just put something together, for lack of a better term. Uh, Nathan Sawaya's are, for the most part, his stuff is... um, it, It's borderline, for lack of a better term. There is, you know, a lot of it takes advantage of the media, but a lot of it doesn't make it look organic, if you get my meaning. But his best... His best work is when he actually has something happen to the figure, such as the arm turning into bricks or the um, figure exposing his uh, opening up his chest and bricks coming out, that kind of thing, because it takes, a, it takes advantage of the brick. On the other hand, uh, his figure is sort of standing still, not so. It's, it's a very raw, very, very, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say incomplete, but very different interpretation. Whereas a bricks a character thing, which is, um, for example, Ian Heath doing a uh, sculpture of Spock, uh, the proportion, it's a caric- caricature of Spock. But at the same time, it's re- recognizable not because of necessarily how he builds it, but um, in terms of technical, um, uh, well, technique or color or whatnot. But behind, if you take a look at it, if you switched it to silhouette, you probably could recognize him a spot. Mm-hmm. And that is the most important thing because if you extend that out to Nathan's, you end up with a human. A human that's often, that could be, to a certain extent, this, the same type of human that's used for a typical uh, crosswalk graphic. Very generic. Whereas, you know, uh, he did Ohura. Same style. Turn off the lights, just give him a silhouette, you probably can nail it. Um, that I think is what what's most important I mean, you, you get a sense of the character without the references necessary uh, uh, in terms of color and all it's just the raw silhouette, and some of his work is astonishing uh, on that level uh Felix Greco has done some work on that level too. Mm-hmm. I miss his work, I tell you uh-. Mm-hmm. But um, the whole establishment of that genre and getting that to a level of popularity that it, that it enjoys now, that's a major achievement. Um, you know, Cube Dudes, that's another direction in the same genre.
0: So the character parts is the important part of this. Mm-hmm. Am I really missing that?
1: No, that's actually pretty much it okay um, trying to express a character um, if you if you study animation a lot of animation's based on silhouette you can recognize a person through silhouette you can recognize their attitudes through their silhouette that's the economy of motion that's chosen same thing with uh, with uh, most of these models mm And when you see them up close, you know, some of the more, um, Sean Snyder comes to mind as another one. Uh, You know, they're sculptures, but there's a lot of thought into not only the technique, but the actual character being uh, depicted.
0: So so basically breathing emotion into the, the life of the sculpture.
1: Yeah. Uh, and that's something that's just completely different from everything else. You know, being accurate to a scale—that's—that's—you know—that's a different direction. But cr- you know, creating emotion—that's a whole different game.
0: Actually, you could almost say that about um, figures that you would see over at Legoland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because th- there seems to be a stylistic difference between um accurate well you have those that are very atomically correct yeah but then like with the new um, disney ones down at downtown disney you have almost a a whimsical
1: yeah and that's a, yeah and that's the other thing i like it's not as serious as a, it's, it there's a sense of whimsy that usually comes in with those okay uh and uh that's another thing I really like too um, you know I would almost uh, i'm getting i'm starting to build in that direction because that is this building in that building a character is the roughest thing you can try and um it's something that's caught my uh caught my interest, and I'm starting to do that hmm. and yeah. make it small. <laughs>
0: Hence the flounder that's sitting on my table. Anyway, hey,
1: whose bricks are those? They weren't mine. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not going to let. Um, I, I appreciate your hospitality, but I'm not going to walk off with your bricks.
0: You should have just borrowed it and brought it back.
1: No, I got the. Dire- I made directions. Oh, that's true. So I have the information. Much more important. In fact, I have directions too. Good. Yeah, so I'm going to have to post those up pretty soon. To the website or Uh website yeah Cause yeah. I can't do anything with them in the book Too many Uh no I get sued <laughs> Oh yeah well yeah <laughs> <laughs> So I'll just put it on the website Hey take it go go run Be free have fun with it
0: This is a fish that looks vaguely Similar to a Character a that you might see in a
1: movie About a fishwoman, yeah. Yeah <laughs> A small one <laughs> Small fish woman. <clears throat> oh boy. So, yeah, th- those are the three innovations I see right now. Uh, the question itself was a tough one to address because innovation is a tough animal in a product that tends to um, innovate itself, for lack of a better term.